Hello, everyone. Welcome to the AJ's Primary Preview. My name is Matt Dotre. I'm the government reporter for the Avalanche Journal. I'm joined today by Curtis Parrish. Uh, Curtis is a candidate for Lubbock County judge running in the Republican primary against uh, Karen Gibson and Gary Bourne. Curtis, how are you? We're doing great. Thank you, Matt. And thank you for the opportunity to come in and, and, and speak and, and talk about the issues that we have here in the Lubbock County Judge Race. Yes, sir. Thank you. So do you want to introduce yourself? You bet. My name is Curtis Parrish. I, I am a fifth generation West Texan. I, I'm an attorney. I practice in the very area of law that, that the county judge is the jurisdiction over, and that is probates and guardianships, mental health cases. I also do a lot of oil and gas leases, real estate contracts. And, and I think that really makes me very uniquely qualified to be the county judge. This 75% uh, of the job of Lubbock County Judge is judicial. Uh, and overseeing the yeah. probates, guardianships, and mental health cases. And, and, and so to that end, I really do feel very uniquely qualified. I, I'm a longtime resident of Lubbock, um, been in Lubbock a long time, been active in the community. Yeah. Uh, my background is uh, in media. I worked uh, at a couple of TV stations here in town in the okay. newsroom uh, for over 16 years. I left the news media to work uh, for the Texas legislature, worked for Senator Robert Duncan. Sure. Yep. I was his legislative aide. Uh, and my last year uh, at, in, in the legislature, I was a committee clerk for Juvenile Justice and Family Issues Committee. And so through that, uh, I've garnered a lot of experience, uh, a lot of experience in business, a lot of experience in legislative work. And through that, uh, really fell in love with the law yeah. as well. I yeah. uh, went to law school yeah, here at Texas Tech, got my okay. law degree, and have been practicing uh, here um, well ever since. Very good. Yes, and absolutely you're right. The only candidate with you know judicial experience, you have a background in law. And I mean, tell me how valuable that is in this position because well, I just watched the Chamber of Commerce debate and yes you were really drilling that in is that 75% of this job is you know is judicial, judicial. Exactly. exactly well, right. so where did you get that 75% because I feel like that was questioned during that debate well that well. is that is the current job description of the Lubbock County Judge Tom Head is the county judge he's been a county judge at the at the conclusion of his term he will have been the county judge for 20 years uh, prior to that, uh, he was a JP, but uh, since, since coming into this county judge position, uh, he has overseen all the probates and guardianships and mental health cases, and it constitutes about 75% of his weekly duties. About 25% is administrative, and 75% is judicial. So that, that comes from the job description of the Lubbock County Judge. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting, because it's kind of the 25% then that we like to... <laughs> Talk well, about, and, but and I guess it's, and it's important. Uh, please yeah. understand. Yeah, that twenty-five percent, the administrative part, is important. Uh, but to to just discount, you know, three fourths of the job, and just say, well, we'll just let somebody else handle it, or I, I, I think is is negligent. And we've got to focus on the whole job, the one hundred percent of the Lubbock County judge. And to that end, um, Matt, I do feel like uh, I'm very uniquely qualified uh, to be elected next Lubbock County judge. So is that what your law practice has been about, you know, guardianships, probates, mental health, things yes. like that? Uh, my, my law partner and I, we, we have an estate planning uh, firm. And what we do is uh, we, we clients come in with that need estate planning issues. Uh, my law partner is a CPA attorney as well. So we do taxing issues as well. Um, and then I handle the, the, the wills, uh, trusts, 
Uh, I do the probates and guardianships, and, and then uh, we do obviously with, with the state planning. It's it's pretty it's a pretty wide yeah. area, and so not just income taxing uh, issues, but also uh, issues of you know how do how, how do people kind of make sure that that the property that they have now goes to their their loved ones after they're deceased. And, and so that is a major part of, of what I do in, in my law practice is, is to make sure that people have their estate plannings in order. And that also means, you know, you, you deal in property issues and you deal in tax issues. Uh, you deal in um, uh, oil and gas leases. We've got a lot of folks around here that have oil and gas leases. And we want to make sure that those are, are transferred in a, in a timely and orderly manner as well. Absolutely. So I guess it's fair to say then that you've worked quite a bit with the county court. Yes, and, I've, had, and, and, I've, I've, I've had hundreds of hearings yeah. uh, so, in the county court. So That's is there right. anything then that you want to that you want to change now <laughs> that you're running to be on the inside? <laughs> well, change, uh, let me tell you, the change that is happening in the county courts is, is really being dictated a lot by what's happening in Austin. Okay. Uh, just this last legislative session, uh, the legislators added 19 new guardianship laws to the books. Uh, the, the, the body of law of probates and guardianships has changed so dramatically, especially over the last, I would say, even 10 years, uh, but certainly in the last five years. It has changed dramatically. It has gotten uh, exponentially more complicated, uh, and uh, it, we need a, uh, an experienced attorney that, are, that will guide and shepherd those guardianship cases, those probate cases. Um, we, we need it to, to turn that over to, to someone who has no judicial, no legal experience. I, I, I think it, it does Lubbock County a, a great disservice. And so uh, I, as an attorney who practices in that area of law, I feel very qualified to do that and, and would hope that people will understand this is a Lubbock County judge. This isn't Lubbock County administrator, even though there's some great administrative duties that the county judge has. This is a Lubbock County judge. And so uh, I'm, I feel like I'm uniquely qualified then to, to be the next Lubbock County judge. Absolutely. Because of yeah, for sure. So, and I want to talk with you about, a bit about mental health. Sure, absolutely. Um, our sheriff has gone on the record many times to just say that um, – you know, their jail cells are just becoming the de facto mental health institutions. Yeah. So what, I mean, how do we, how do we stop that trend? Is it, does it happen in the courtroom? Well, the county judge is in a very unique position because um, when, when somebody in our community is, is a danger uh, to themselves or to others, uh, the county judge is in a place where they can take that person and, and put them into a treatment program, 30, 60, 90 day treatment program. Uh, when we don't do that, Matt, we do run into the problem that Sheriff Kelly Rowe is talking about because those people then, if they don't get the help and the treatment that, that they desperately need in the mental health, then they do become a danger to themselves and to the community. And oftentimes when they, they're going to get, they're going to get help. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's in a treatment program or whether it's in the criminal justice system. As county judge, you're able to kind of intervene in that, in that situation. Get them into a treatment program. Uh, you're going to force them to because you're the judge, and you can force them into a treatment program. But hopefully uh, that will at least get them the help that they need before they become a resident of Kelly Rose uh, Detention Center. Okay. And so that is the purpose, and that is the role of the county judge in that situation. Now, currently, uh, we do, 
in Lubbock County about eight to ten mental health cases per week. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a very interesting uh, thing. A few years ago, when somebody would come in and, and, and be a part of a, a treatment program, at least a, a judicially ordered treatment program, they would bring them to the courthouse. And that would garner a little bit of problems. One is security problems. And, and, and other particular problems, you had to have the, the, the sheriff's department to, to transport them to do those kind of things. And the decision was made a few years ago to have the judge go to those hospitals, to those treatment facilities to conduct those uh, committal hearings. And, so, uh, and, and that was very wise and very sound. Well, what that means, though, is that the county judge must leave the courthouse to conduct those hearings uh, on a, a twice a week. Yeah. Uh, he, he does those. And... And it is a body of law, as you've talked about with, with, with Sheriff Rowe, that is growing. As Lubbock County grows, this is an area of law that's also growing. Uh, and it's one of those unfortunate things, but it is the, the product of having a growing county mm -hmm. as we do have a lot more uh, mental health cases out there. We're also seeing mental health cases uh, in the area of veterans care. Uh, we've got a lot of our veterans who, who, have, who have served our nation uh, very admirably and honorably. And they're coming back to the United States, and they're having a hard time uh, getting back into society, with, with some of them with some very serious mental health problems. And so I, I think we need to refocus. We need to take a look at how we do uh, mental health care from a governmental point of view. Because, uh, and, and understand, back to the read, you're, this is a community issue because many of these mental health problems become uh, a danger to us, to all of us. And so if we can prevent that, if we can get them into a treatment program, uh, then we know that our community is safer. And so that is a, a very much a very strong role of the county judge in the mental health uh, situation. And Sheriff Rowe is exactly right. Uh, we do have our jails. Are, are full of mental health problems because that mental health problem has shown itself in a criminal situation. Yeah. If we can stop that, uh, then we can, we can certainly uh, not just help that person, but certainly help all of us in society. For sure, for sure. So, okay, so I get I'm, gonna, I'm throwing you a softball here. No, but that's I okay. Mean, but like, you can throw the this, hard ones no, too, but, it's okay. No, throwing you, yeah, but of course, you're very knowledgeable in this. I mean, so, I can't imagine someone coming in without the knowledge and then being able to perform positively, right? But I mean, but of course that happens. You know, there's, there is this learning curve. Um, how has you, you've had 15 years experience in this, more yes. than that. So, you know, how has 20 that, plus. yeah, 20, I mean, how has that prepped you for this, for this job? Well, uh, clearly, like you just said, I mean, this is my area of practice. Um, in, in guardianships specifically, and we can talk about guardianships, in guardianships uh, you, you deal a lot with, with some mental health issues because uh, most, of the, most of the clients that come to me as an attorney are coming to me with their, when their loved one has, uh, you know, grandmother or, or their father has gotten dementia or Alzheimer's, and they've gotten to a place where their, uh, their cognitive thinking is now gone. And they need to have guardianship in order to take care of them, to determine where they live, to determine their medical care. And that's really the, the, the basic process of guardianship, is to take care of someone who can't take care of themselves anymore. 
Uh, we see that in, in our older adults, and as our population is getting older and older, this is one area of law that's growing very rapidly. Uh, we're also seeing uh, the need for guardianship in, in our younger population as well. We have uh, Down syndrome children who, who, are, who are children, they're under their parents' care, uh, but they're, they're turning 18. And the law says they're now adults, yeah. but clearly they're, they're not in a place where they can determine their, their, their living conditions or their medical care. And so they need a continuation of guardianship. So we have a lot of parents of Down syndrome children who are coming to the court who, who are needing continuation of guardianship. Uh, and it is, a, again, an area of law that's growing so rapidly right now. Uh, as we pointed out just this last legislative session, 19 new guardianship laws, mm -hmm. and some of those very complicated. Now, I've, I, part of my practice also is I, I teach some guardianship law to, to other attorneys as well, and so I'm very attuned with, with the guardianship issues that we have in the state. And it's not just Lubbock County. This is all over the mm -hmm. state. Uh, just, as a, just as a kind of a brief uh, insight at how important this is, just in this last leg legislative session, the Texas legislators added a bond to the county judges of counties our size of $250,000. A quarter of a million dollars now is required for the county judge to carry a bond in order to make sure that there is not negligence in overseeing our guardianships. And this is a, a, a brand new law. This ought to tell you, this ought to zone you in on how important this law is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so where I can poke you on, though, then, is this administrative experience. Well, look, we, we, we can go back and, 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 and do want to kind of, and we'll, we'll keep poking on that. Uh -huh. But, but I, I will say that in, in the area of, let, let's, let's clearly not dismiss this judicial aspect of the county judge. This is vitally important to Lubbock County. Vitally important that we, that we have a, a, a judge who's knowledgeable, uh, who's experienced in the law, and are able to shepherd these probate cases, these guardianship cases, and mental health cases. And the other aspect is not just legal, but it's also a compassionate position. If you think about probates, um, most of the time people are coming to the court because they've just lost a loved one, uh, just passed away, and now they've got to take care of the business. And, and sometimes that's really hard to do in the middle of grief, and, and so you need a judge who's very compassionate. Now, you need the judge that will hold them accountable and make sure that they are going to do that right and take care of that estate in, in the proper manner. Uh, but you also need a judge that's very compassionate uh, to that situation. And as we talked about, even in guardianships, a lot of times it's, it's, it's grandmother or their mother has, has gotten to a place where that they, she can't take care of herself anymore. And so you need a compassionate judge that can see that situation and, and hold those guardians accountable, absolutely, but make sure that our wards are adequately taken care of and, and make sure that they're, everybody's following the law, yeah. but do it compassionately. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that is a major role of the county judge. For sure. Does the, does the county judge oversee the JP courts as well? No, not yeah. oversee them. Now, the, the, the county judge, uh, and we're going to get into part of the administrative part of the county judge, uh, you are a, a member of the commissioner's court. There, yes. are, there are five members of the commissioner's court, each of the county commissioners that serve in a precinct. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and then the county judge makes up the fifth member of the commissioner's court. And the county judge, of course, represents the whole county. Uh, so we, we don't, don't uh, the county judge doesn't focus just on one area of the county, focuses on the whole county. So able to see the, the big picture and to provide leadership and direction and, and servant leadership and vision uh, to the commissioner's court. That is the primary role of the county judge in its administrative duties. Yeah, and of course that is overseeing things like the budget, which inc incorporates the public safety and public works and infrastructure. And so, you know, your two opponents are previous members of the city council. They have experience in budgets. Um, I want to ask you um, if you're very familiar with that process, if um, you're kind of I don't know, in tune with the workings. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm currently, obviously, I'm a, I'm a business owner. I have my own uh, law practice, and so I, I'm a business owner. Um, my wife and I have a family business uh, where we handle, it's in medical research, where we handle multi-million dollar contracts. Uh, I'm very familiar with, with business. Plus, also, uh, in my legislative experience, we, we worked with the budget of the state of Texas. And so uh, you're talking about, you know, uh, you know billions of dollars in budgeting uh, that we, uh, under the Senate office, uh, we really oversaw as well. I, I'm also, uh, uh, in my community involvement, I, I'm an, I serve as an elder at Broadway Church of Christ. And we, we've got a pretty substantial budget, and we, we do a lot of ministry in there. And this, this really, Matt, is, is the direction I want to bring, the, the policy direction I want to bring as the county judge into the budgeting process. Um, you know, in, in, in church work, uh, we, we, get, uh, we get contributions and donations from people who, who, who give freely out of their pocket, and they expect that that, that money be uh, shepherded and, and, and there be a high level of, of fiscal responsibility to that money. And that is the exact same philosophy I want to bring to government. Uh, yeah, you're, you're not giving to the government willingly, but we need to account for every single dollar that comes in because they're coming from hardworking people. And, and they're coming from, from property taxes and sales taxes and fees. And we need to make sure that every single dollar is budgeted wisely. Uh, we've got a $107.7 million budget in Lubbock County and a, a, a tax rate of, of 35.8 cents. And we've got to make sure that every single dollar is accounted for and budgeted wisely and fairly and that will serve all the citizens of Lubbock County. Yeah. Um, any kind of policy initiatives you have in terms of public safety of course that's the, that's the big one with the sheriff's department sure yeah in fact that that makes up the 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 vast majority of the budget mm -hmm. uh, is in public safety and public safety is not just the sheriff's department please understand it doesn't begin and end with the sheriff's department uh, I'm the only candidate that actually lives outside the city limits uh, so in I'm very in tune with with all of the things that go on with the county budget including roads uh, but when you're, when you're talking about public safety, you're also talking about fire protection. Yeah. Uh, we've got great um, rural county volunteer fire departments, and those folks need to be have all the equipment and all the training and all the, 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 the funds that they need to keep us safe and secure as well, not just the sheriff's department, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, our, but our rural firefighters as well. EMS is another service. Ambulance services are very, 
vitally important to all of us. When you call 911 and you have an emergency, no matter where you live in Lubbock County, you need to expect that they're going to show up and take care of you. You're in a desperate situation. For sure. Can we, can we talk a bit more about sure that? Yeah, I want to talk about EMS because, of but course. That, uh, uh, that's but, the umbrella of public safety. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. And EMS, I know kind of the volunteer EMS, they're struggling right now, to they say are. the least. You know, sure West, Car- West Carlisle especially. I think uh, New Deal uh, a year or two ago was able to actually have a staff member, and now I think they had to get rid of that staff member and go back yeah, to just a volunteer. And back basis. in May, West Carlisle, and I'm very, I'm very aware of, of, of the issues of EMS. My my son, uh, Brenda, and I, our, our son Scott, is a volunteer firefighter at West Carlisle. Oh, okay. In I fact, what in fact was the firefighter of the year last year? Very good for well, West Carlisle. Congratulations, well, that's awesome. And, and thank you for his service. <laughs> uh, he's also a paramedic for UMC EMS, so he's. Uh, we're very, very aware yeah. of of all the issues involved uh, in our in our rural firefighter uh, our rural fire districts and our and our uh, volunteer firefighters yeah. and our EMS services. Very attuned to that. So, does the county need to support them more? You know, f- funds, of course, being the big thing. Or is this, or is the county's job to leave it up to UMC to do their policy as they see fit? Um, the, the county judge and the, and the commissioner's court is a very unique position, uh, as, especially the county judge's position. Uh, one of my first jobs as county judge will make sure that we have everybody at the table. Um, right now, uh, what, what we've heard on, on EMS is that for calls inside the city, they have, a, they have an eight-minute response time, which is, which is adequate. Sometimes it's a little bit shorter. Um, but if you're if you're calling 911 and you have a heart and you're having an emergency, a heart attack, uh, you, you you need EMS there. You know, every minute uh, means a, a potential yeah. disaster Absolutely. for you. Yeah. And that's eight minutes in the city. What we're told by EMS is outside the city limits for non-emergency calls, you can expect a 40-minute response oh time. For emergency calls, you can expect a 20 minute response for emergencies matt 20 minutes for emergencies to me that's unacceptable and as county judge that will be one of my first jobs is to bring everybody to the table to bring the leaders of of umc uh to bring our our rural firefighters together as well and and, and some of our other cities like like shallow water and slayton and idaloo they have ems services as well bring them all to the table and say, what do we need to do? How do we need to better take care of our citizens, all of our citizens, not just the ones in certain areas of our county, but our whole citizens? Mm-hmm. And so that is that is one of my first jobs as county judge, is to bring everybody to the table. I'm a certified mediator, uh, and I work with the Office of Dispute Resolution often. And so I'm, I'm very trained in bringing people to the table, getting the issues out in the open, and finding consensus solutions. Okay. So the trend, I'm just speculating, but the trend seems to be um, UMC is, um, they're willing to take over these ambulance services within the county. And that seems to be kind of the trend. Um, as county judge, do you see is that being okay or do you think the county needs to be making sure these kind of volunteer inside their city fire departments need to be 
you know, self-sustained. Well, I, I, I don't mind uh, UMC uh, saying that, that we, we've, got the, we've got the facilities, we've got the ambulances, mm-hmm. uh, we've got the personnel that can do that. Um, but I, I need assurance from, from our ambulance providers, from UMC, that that response time is not going to be 2040. Uh, because that's going to cost us some lives, and, uh, and we need to do better. Yeah. And so uh, I don't have a problem uh, directly with UMC saying that we can provide ambulance services, EMS services, 911 services to the whole county. Uh, I just, I just want to make sure that, that they are serving the whole county and not just pockets and not just portions. Absolutely. And then um, looking at the sheriff's department, um, in years past, um, the county commissioners and the county judge have approved uh, increase in their narcotics team. Uh, that was a couple years ago. This past year, it was in, uh, improved communication system. So, of course, you know, there's continual needs for the sheriff's department. You know, how do you balance that with, you know, other things on the budget and then you not wanting to increase property taxes and things like that? Right. I mean, how do you make sure the sheriff's department has what he, need, he or she needs? Well, obviously, we, we go back to what are the core, what is the core mission of the county, and that is first public safety. And, and so public safety is our core mission. Uh, we don't diminish our core mission to take care of the things that maybe are not part of the core mission. It's a, it's a triage effect. When you have limited budget, when your budget is limited, and we all experience this in our homes and in our, in our businesses, when your budget is limited, you take care of the core things first. And so uh, our, our sheriff's department needs to have all the tools and training and personnel they need uh, to keep us safe and secure in our homes. Um, and we talked about the drug issue. Uh, Lubbock County is the hub city, and, uh, and, and Lubbock is the hub city, and, and, that's, and, and that's wonderful for commerce and things, but it, it, also, it also makes us the hub city for drug trafficking. And a lot of drugs that are coming in from Mexico and Central America come in funnel through Lubbock and then out to the rest of the United States. And then subsequently, all the money comes back through Lubbock to get back to Mexico and Central America. So, so Lubbock is kind of ground zero for a lot of the drug trafficking that comes in and out of the United States and Central America and Mexico. Uh, so that, that, that puts a, a huge burden on our sheriff's department, and, and they're on high alert for, for drug trafficking. And we got to know, we've got we've to make sure that they are well-funded uh, to be able to stop this scourge. There's another aspect, too, that, that is, is a growing problem. It, it's been a problem, but this is a growing problem, too, that we're seeing in Lubbock County, is in sex trafficking. And it has become, for me, uh, one of the more um, heart-wrenching issues and problems that we have. A lot of uh, these sex slaves and these girls, these teenage girls, are, are are, are being funneled into the United States through Lubbock. And then out too. So our, I, I want to make sure that our, our sheriff's department not only has a handle and, and, is, and is attacking our drug problem, but also attacking and making sure that our sex trafficking, that sex trafficking problem stops right here in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Because um, that, that to me is just, it, it is, it's heartbreaking to, to, to see these girls who, who are, who, who are kidnapped and, and are forced into sex trafficking, and it's all being funneled right through here, right through Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is terrible. And how do you do you think the do you think the sheriff's department has the tools they need right now? Well, I, I, and I've talked to uh, Sheriff Rowe about this, and and they are making do with what they have. Obviously, if we could, you know, we could give them, you know, double the workforce, sure. Um, but I, I I think Sheriff Rowe and and, uh, and and Cody Scott, who who runs the detention center, I I think they they feel like very that they are well supported by Lubbock County and the county commissioners, and they are. Uh, and so when things come up, when they come to us and they say, we've seen this problem, we, need, we have this need, and I think that's when the commissioner's court and the, and the county judge really needs to, to step up and support them. Uh, to turn our backs on them would be uh, disastrous and it would be negligent to do that. So yeah, we depend on the sheriff. We, de- we depend on those folks. Uh, who have the tools or who, who will tell us the tools that they need to tell us the personnel that they need. And, the, and I know the commissioner's court has, has added funding to the sheriff's department over the years. Uh, there's been um, additional hires coming into the sheriff's department, which is great. I know at the detention center, that's a place that's, that's growing as well. And we'll uh, certainly want to talk about the detention center as well. But um, we just need to make sure that our budgets uh, adequately reflect what our core value is, and our core value is in public safety. Yeah. Well, the rest of <clears throat> the rest of what I want to get to seems small compared to what we just no, talked about. No, that's okay. But, let's <laughs> talk about, but I do want to talk. It's all important. Uh, absolutely, it, but it I do really want to. Yeah, I want to talk about roads uh, specifically. Sure. Woodrow Road. That's that's kind of the big the big topic. Um, what can be done? It, it, it it's yeah. What can what can be done, and how soon does Woodrow Road need to be addressed? Well, Woodrow Road always needs to be addressed. Uh, any any of our high traffic roads need to be addressed because they deteriorate faster. Clearly, yeah. um, and and when we have uh, adverse weather days, you know that if that affects our road traffic as well. Uh, we have twelve hundred miles of roads in Lubbock County. Twelve hundred miles, uh, and the commissioner's uh, court just uh, this past budget session added three million dollars in seal coat. Uh, you know this, yes, and, and they added also three million dollars of caliche. Now the three million dollars in seal coat just handles about 150 miles of the 300 miles of paved roads that we have, so it it's only adequate for half. Okay, caliche uh, uh, three million dollars will, will cover probably about half of of, of the roads uh, of the caliche roads as well, and so it, it, it's one of those constant things uh, that that we've got to make sure that our that our roads crews are, are, are on the job and doing the job and meeting the needs of the public in our roads. And, and let me tell you about roads, too. I mean, it's, it's not just for convenience, but we talked about public safety. Roads have a factor in public safety. If our sheriff's department can't get to uh, a scene or if our rural firefighters can't get to a home that's on fire, or if our EMS can't get down the county road to handle someone who's having a heart attack, then roads become an economic problem, they become a public safety problem, and they're also an education issue as well. We've got students who who have to get to school, and they have to get to school on county roads, and so we gotta make sure our county roads are adequate to get kids back and forth from school. So it becomes an education issue as well, and not just an economy issue. I mean, our farmers grow, the, I mean, we live in the biggest cotton patch in America, and, and our cotton farmers need to get their product in and out of, that's why we call them farm to market roads, <laughs> is because they take them from the farm to the market. And so uh, county roads are uh, touch 
a lot of aspects of what we do here, and, and that is in our economy, in our public safety, uh, in our education, and certainly in our convenience to yeah. make sure that those roads are, are adequate to, uh, to travel folks back and forth. Yeah. So Woodrow Road, if it was to be addressed in the short term, my understanding again yeah. speculating is that it, it would need to be through bonds and and i think well one are you are you okay with that mm. two the next question would be well should they be taken to a vote no uh, let me let me tell you uh, right now you know one of the projects and it's kind of parallel to woodrow road is loop 88 yes and you're aware of loop 88 it kind of parallels uh, woodrow road it's 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 further north but it parallels woodrow road and uh, lubbock county just approved a 7.25 million dollars uh, for right-of-way acquisition uh, for Loop 88. Uh, and that was done on a pay-as-you-go. Mm -hmm. That was not done through bonds. That was done through good fiscal management and, and being able to, to pay for those things as you go. To me, that is fiscal responsibility. Uh, right now, Lubbock County debt, the debt for Lubbock County is only with the detention center. Uh, that debt should be paid off probably in f four to five years. I, I hope maybe we can we can move some budgeting items to pay that debt off as quickly as possible. And once that debt is paid off, Lubbock County will be debt free, and and that is good fiscal management. That is how government should operate, not in debt. Now, if you look at the city of Lubbock, <laughs> as a contrast, the city of Lubbock uh, currently is about one point four billion dollars in debt and so I, I think people who are making the decision what kind of what kind of fiscal management do you want at the county level just look at those who are who are at the city level right now and in the past is that the kind of fiscal management you want at the county level I hope not because my fiscal management says we're on a pay-as-you-go and that we 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 pay for these projects now we we absolutely need to maintain what we've been blessed with. Woodrow Road is a very high-trafficked road, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, and I know that the commissioners in the past have made the decision to put extra money into the Loop 88 project, mm -hmm. but we need to come back and say we need to be better management. Uh, we need to have better management of what we've already been blessed with. When we let things deteriorate, it costs us a whole lot more in the long run. Uh, just look at the Auditorium Coliseum, uh, look at other roads that have been allowed to be deteriorated, mm -hmm. and now we have to come back and spend more money to fix them up. So we, we need to do a pay-as-you-go, have regular scheduled maintenance. And like I said, right now, uh, the county commissioners have $3 million into seal coat, into taking care of our paved roads, $3 million into Caliche roads. Is it enough? Well... Probably not, because it only takes care of half of the problem. Yeah. Uh, so you triage the problem, and you take care of that which you've already been blessed with so that you don't run into problems down the, down the road. For sure. Quite yeah. literally, yeah. down the road. There you go. <laughs> but, <laughs> Pardon the pun, but, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go with the pun because uh -huh. it, it works. <laughs> but Okay, but the estimates I'm seeing for Woodrow Road are... Oh heck, I don't want to guess, but thirty million. I yeah, think. yeah, Something it, like it, it, it's 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 high dollar. It's expensive. It sure is. So paying as you go for that would take, say you budgeted three million a year, that would take a decade to, to get it, it done. It sure would. So it sure would. 
it's kind of a balancing act. Um, well, I do not believe in going into debt. Okay. I can tell you that right now. I do not believe in going into debt. Uh, the only time, um, you know, I know Lubbock County went into debt to build the detention center, mm-hmm. and that was with a vote of the people. And so I would say that if, if, I'm putting the big if uh-huh. there, Matt, if a project comes along that requires bonds to be sold to do, that means going into debt, it must be approved by the voters. So what you do is you make the case. You go to the voters and say, we need this. We need this amount of money for this particular project. And then we do exactly what has been promised with the detention center. As soon as that's paid off, then we lower the tax rate back down. I am absolutely 100% committed to that, that when this detention center is paid off in the next four to six years, that that tax rate would then lower back down to reflect that we have no debt in Lubbock County. And I believe that we can manage today to prepare for the future. Okay. And that is, that is good, sound fiscal budgeting, and that's the way government should work. Something that gets discussed in every county commissioner's race as of late, but I haven't heard it in the county judge race, is, of course, is the salaries. Mm-hmm. The salary salaries for... Um, I guess not really all elected officials, just county commissioners and the county judge. Um, do you agree with those pay raises that the county commissioners and the county judge have voted on? Well, the, just as a, as a point of, of, of history and a civics lesson, it's actually the county commissioners are the only group, the only level of government that can raise their own salaries. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, school boards make zero. Yeah. And that's by law. Uh, city council makes $25 a month, and that's by, um, by, by, by law. Yeah, the yeah. city charter says 25 The mayor gets 75 a month, so oh, yeah. you know, he's, he's got a bonus. <laughs> uh, our state legislators make $600 a month, and that's by, by constitution. And that at the federal level, our, our Congress cannot raise their own salaries. We've got the 27th Amendment that prohibits that. Now, they can vote for a raise, but that raise only takes effect for the next Congress. Now, as county judge, what I would offer is that same type of amendment, uh, and it would go into the budget saying that if, if the county commissioners choose to, to have a raise, whether it's a cost of living adjustment or they feel like their salaries are too low and they want to boost it up to whatever state average, whatever that is, that raise would only take effect for the next commissioner, meaning that uh, you would have to come back to your precinct. You would have to run for re-election in order to get the benefit of that raise. That's what they do at the federal level, and it's, it's an amendment that I would offer at the county level as well. So that we avoid this problem of you're just raising your own salary. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're just there to, to fill your own pockets. Well, you can you can vote for a raise, but it's the next person that would get the benefit of it, not you. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and that w- that would go for all elected officials, including no. kind of like the no. the sheriff. No, the, no, 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 no. The, the the sheriff, the district attorney, um, the 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 district clerk, the, uh, the 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 county treasurer. Those are all elected officials. Mm-hmm. Those salaries are set by the commissioners. They can't raise their own salaries. They can't make those adjustments on their own. It only comes from the commissioner's court. Um, 
Now, my philosophy would be if you're going to run for an office, you're going to say, you're going to tell the people, this is the job I want, and whatever that salary is, that's the salary that I will take during that four-year period. Yeah, that's the term of office. Okay. Um, I, I, I would... I, th I think it's prudent management to, to hold our other elected officials to that and say, yes, uh, we'll give you a raise, but it will only be after your next election. Yeah. And I think that's prudent. Yeah. Yeah. Because you said they're the only, uh, you know, they're the, only, they're the only body that can set, they, that set they, their own salaries that and, that their can, own. and that can raise their right. salaries. The but sheriff can't do that. For the sure. Sher the yeah. sheriff can't. Uh -huh. The district attorney mm -hmm. can't. They, they can't raise their own salaries. Yeah. But the county commissioners can, yeah. and that is that's definitely a a, a, a burr in people's yeah. saddles right now. <laughs> and if I can just add one more thing to that, they're the only ones that can, because I hear that argument from the county commissioners as well. Is that well, this is a spot where we're we're right. in. Is that you know we have to approve our salaries. That's correct. No one else can, and then we do this. But yeah, kind of. But but if you add that amendment. Uh, to the budgeting process, then what you what you do is then you can go back to your constituents and say yes, there is a raise in there, and if you reelect me, then I can get the benefit of that. Or the people can say, look, we we're we're done with you, and we don't want you to have that raise, and it'll only be available for the next person. Okay, okay, very interesting. Um, uh, you said you wanted to talk about the detention center. Yeah, just a little bit about the detention center, and and mostly we were talking about it in the in the area of bonds. Uh, that that detention center will be paid off uh, in the next four to six years, and and I'm absolutely committed to fulfill the promise that was made to say that when that facility is paid off, we will lower the property tax back down to reflect the fact that we are debt free, and so that is uh, I, I I'm I'm a firm believer in making sure that that our our county government runs as small as possible, but still maintaining our core values and our statutory requirements. But in, in this particular case, when those bonds are paid off, we're going to lower that down. And then we're going to continue a path of pay as you go. Okay. And that is prudent fiscal management. Okay. Um, last legis state legislative session, the big talk was um, local control. That was the big buzzword. That was, of, of that was the buzzword. That was the buzzword, yes. Of the legislation. <laughs> Buzzwords, plural, <laughs> local control. Uh -huh. A few commissioners went to Austin to testify against yes, um, Senate Bill 2. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that and whether you, you are in favor of uh, lessening that rollback rate. Yeah, you're talking about the property tax cap. Yes, sir. Uh, currently in the state of Texas, it's, it's right at a little, just a little above 8%, meaning that if, if a local governmental authority wants to raise the property tax or the ad valorem tax, to 8% or above, then they have to get voter approval for that. There has to be a referendum by the people. Uh, the, the state Senate uh, came back with a proposal, you're talking about Senate Bill 2, at 4%. Mm -hmm. the, House, uh, the House leaders came back with a 5%. They couldn't get that worked out and negotiated, and so it ended up not passing at all. Uh, in this, uh, in this election coming up, in this primary election, that's actually one of the proposals, one of the propositions. Proposition 10 mm -hmm. will ask Republican voters, do you support a 4% cap? And I tell you, I will tell you straight, I absolutely support lowering that down to that 4%. I think that is the way we stop the bleeding. 
Uh, it, it won't lower your taxes, but it will certainly put you more in the driver's seat. So when that county government or the city government or the school board comes to you and wants to raise your taxes, uh, they can't do that without your permission. So if you're going to take money out of my pocket, you, you bet I've got to have input on that. And I think that that is also very prudent. So I'm a strong supporter of that 4% cap. That's Proposition 10. I hope you vote for it when you go to vote. Um, but I'm also a very strong advocate of not having these unfunded mandates. Often we see it from the federal government, from the state government. They just keep pushing these regulations down that are costing us at the local level. They, they, it costs us. Now, Governor Greg Abbott has come out and said uh, he, he wants to stop unfunded mandates, and, and I applaud that. In fact, I will advocate and support that because unfunded mandates are one that, that's killing us at the local government level because the federal government just says, oh, we won't deal with it. Boom, it's up to you, local government. And even at the state, the state pushes a lot of those regulations and, and the burden to collect that money on that puts that burden on the local government. Yeah. So I'm, if, if I go to Austin as county judge and advocate for anything, it will be for to make sure that, that the interests of Lubbock County are, are protected, and that is to make sure that cap is lowered and to make sure that unfunded mandates do not get piled upon us here at the county. Yeah. And, and I know you're running for county judge in Lubbock County, but I do want you to, for a second, think about kind of our neighboring counties. Mm -hmm. um, because when our commissioners uh, went to Austin, um, they were kind of also speaking on behalf of the Texas Association of Counties. So, TAC. Uh, yeah. That's right. So do you, think, do you think there should be a carve-out if, if this – if this were to pass and that rollback rate were to be lowered down to four, I mean, do you think there should be a carve out for the smallest of West Texas counties? I mean, say, for example, you know, I always hear if, the, if there's a big capital murder trial in a Yoakum County, That's right. that could double it, their budget. Easily, easily. Um, I, I will say this about uh, about the county judge's role in all of West Texas, and, and, and I'm very attuned to this. When I was working for Senator Robert Duncan, when I was his legislative aide, um, one of my primary jobs uh, for the senator was to be the liaison between the Senate office and the county governments of the 28th Senatorial District. Um, right now, I've got 50 counties. That are, it's one of the largest districts, uh, 50 counties in the, in the, in the senatorial district. And, and they're very diverse. There's some very extremely small, small counties. And then you look at Lubbock County. We are a, we are a, a large urban city within a rural county. <laughs> And, and it's very diverse. I mean, even you look at our, our, our towns and cities within Lubbock County, and Shallow Water, and Idaloo, and Slayton, Wolfert, New Deal, uh, Ransom Canyon, very unique communities, uh, all within a 40-square-mile a, a county, that, uh, and that the, that the county judge has a very unique position to represent the whole county. But the county judge does not you, you, you also must be aware that, that there are things, there are other counties that are going on. Uh, I'm a big proponent of a SPAG, the South Plains Association of Governments. I want to make sure that, that all of our interests are, are protected and, and are heard in Austin. Uh, I know that us here in West Texas and, and working in the, in the Texas legislature, I know it's easy for Austin to ignore us out here in West mm -hmm. Texas. Uh, and so I want to make sure that, that we are all protected. But... And here's the big but to this. I am the county judge of Lubbock. And so my first priority 
is Lubbock County. Mm -hmm. And so I will not advocate for anything that's going to be adverse to Lubbock County. Lubbock County first. Uh, you know, the, the, the president runs on make America great again or America first. The county judge must be Lubbock County first. Mm -hmm. Now, if there are issues that affect all of us here in West Texas, yeah, we're going to get behind those. It's going to be for the good of all of us. But I will not advocate for anything that is adverse to Lubbock County. And I feel like as a, as a county judge, I'm very uniquely qualified to represent all of the interests of Lubbock County, not just the interest of, of, of the urban city, not just the interest of the, of the smaller towns, but the whole county. And that's what I'm very excited about. And that's also part of that 25% of administrative duties. You are the face, you are the voice for Lubbock County. You represent the county's interest first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we talked about kind of the relationship with the state. Now I want to talk about the relationship with the city. Mm -hmm. um, Help me understand. So who's Committee for Improved City, City County Relations? Because yeah. they have, yeah, that they was, have supported you. Yes, that was, that was a committee uh, that, that was formed uh, that, that, wanted to, uh, that, that wanted to look at this issue uh, of between the city and county and to make sure that, that those relationships between the city and county, that if we're doing duplicative services or, or, or are there better ways that the city and the county can work together. Okay. Do you think there are ways that the city and Absolutely. the county can work together? Of course, Matt. Uh, and, and the city and county do work together. Let's, let's talk specifically about roads. You think about county roads, especially county roads that are near uh, the, the city limits. A lot of times these county roads will, will go along for a little while and they'll be in the county. And then they'll cross over into the city limits and then they'll go back to the county and then cross over in the city. We've got several county roads like that that go from the city to the county, back to the county, back to the city. And so the cooperative effort needs to be made between the city and the county to just to take care of those roads issues. Um, I know uh, one of the roles of the county judge, and it's a very vitally important role of the county judge, is emergency management. The county judge is the director of emergency management for the whole county, which means also working with uh, the, the city and their emergency uh, management as well so that when there is a disaster that happens in our county, regardless of where it happens in the county, if it happens in the city or if it happens outside the city limits, that we all are on the same page. You talked about uh, money that was appropriated uh, for communication. It was for this very reason, so that these entities can communicate with each other. And the county judge is in a very unique position uh, to be able to work with uh, the city government, work with the state, work with the federal government, and, and, and quite honestly, work with other counties in our area. Uh, because when a disaster happens to one of us, it, it really happens to all of us. And I know back, uh, back uh, when we had the floodings after Hurricane Harvey down on the coastal region, Lubbock County sent responders down there to, to help mm -hmm. our neighbors. And we're, it's, a, it's a sense, Matt, that we're all in this together. And the county judge is in a very unique position to be able to work with the other entities, like the city, like the state, like the federal government. And there, there are other ways that the county and the city can and must work together, um, because that's prudent fiscal management. Yeah. Um, this is People don't care what pocket that money comes out of. It's coming out of their pocket. 
uh, whether it comes out of the right side of pocket or the left side of their pocket, <laughs> it's still tax money. And so we, we need to make sure that we are not duplicating our services and that we have a cooperative effort, especially in our, in our law enforcement, uh, in, our, in our firefighting, in our EMS services, mm -hmm. as we talked about earlier, that EMS serves all of us at Lubbock County. And so we need to work with all of those entities together. So I'm, I'm very attuned to that. And, and that's a very unique position of the county judge to be able to work with all of the entities of, of, of the county, including all the towns in our community. You think about Shallow Water. They're a yeah. very unique community. They have their own mayor. They have their own council. Mm -hmm. And the county judge needs to be able to work with them as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's a very right. unique position that the county judge is in and a, and a very unique position that I feel very uniquely qualified to fill. Okay, very good, yeah. Okay, so we're wrapping up here, and I probably should have asked this question at the beginning because this is what, this is what voters are trying to decipher is in a primary how you – how are these candidates are different, you know? So how do you, if you were to just kind of summarize how you differ from your opponents, I mean, how do you think that is? Well, in, in, in summary, Matt, it, it's, it's very easy. And I think the choice is very clear. I'm the only attorney and I'm the only one with, with a, a legal and judicial experience. 75% of the job of Lubbock County judge is judicial. Uh, I'm the only one who's uniquely qualified to, to handle that three-fourths of the job of the, of, of the county judge. And let me tell you, I mean, uh, and, and I've used this analogy uh, a lot, and, and it, it resonates with people. Uh, you're an employer, and you have a business, and someone comes in, and they, they, want, to, they want to be hired by you. Mm -hmm. And so you're sitting across from them, and you're in the interview process, and you say, I'm, I'm here to, to, for a job. And the job description is slid over, and, and the potential employer, the employee looks at that and says, well, I can do 25% of the job, but, but I, the other 75%, I'm just going to give it to somebody else. Would you hire that person? The question is absolutely not. Uh, so I am the only candidate that can do 100% of the job of Lubbock County Judge. I, I'm the only candidate with judicial and legal experience. I'm the only candidate with county government experience. I'm the only candidate with state legislative experience. I, I also am, am, a, am a business owner. I have business experience. So what, your, your question is what separates you? And what separates me from my other opponents is I'm the only one uniquely qualified to be the next Lubbock County judge. Mm -hmm. I saved this question for the end. People are familiar with your voice, I would imagine, or a good amount of people. <laughs> I, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> so you are um, the in-game broadcaster for uh, Tech Football. I do the PA announcing. I'm, I'm the longtime PA announcer for Tech Football. 18 years. 18 years. I've been doing that, and I also do Tech Soccer. I also uh, sub in on baseball and basketball as well. Okay. I mean, what – if elected, will you continue that? Uh, that we, we've talked about that, and, and absolutely. You know, the tech football, we've got, what, six games a year on mm -hmm. Saturdays. Uh, they like me doing it, and I like doing it. Okay. So uh, the, the plan is for me to continue to do that. Okay. I, and I, I, I love it. It is, it is one of my great joys to be able to announce tech football, get people excited. And I'm excited about tech football. I'm excited about our, what we have got going on at Texas Tech right now, top to bottom. Uh, very exciting. Baseball is, is getting ready to gear up, and I'm very excited about baseball. Basketball is just, well, they're shooting lights out right now. <laughs> and it's a wonderful time to be a Red Raider, and I'm a very proud Red Raider. Okay, very good. Uh, anything we didn't talk about that you want to address, or are we, are we good? 
Well, I, I think we're doing really good. I just want to I just want to encourage people to vote. Yes. Um, that that you know the the when when we have voting and, and this is when I had a radio show. You know, I, I was a radio show okay. host for uh, for many years over on AM 950. And that was the one thing that, that we really encouraged people to do. Get yourself educated. Educate yourself about the candidates that are running, the issues that are running. Educate yourself and then go vote. Exercise that constitutional right that's been given to you. Um, the sad thing is we will have probably, what, 10 percent, 12 percent of the registered voters. I mean, they've already gone through the process of registering to vote, and now we got to get them excited to come out there and vote. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Curtis Parrish, and I want to be your next Lubbock County judge, and I do feel that I am uniquely qualified to do that, and I will serve Lubbock County. I will, I will be a, a servant leader and provide vision and direction for the county commissioners, and I will serve judicially uh, with, with utmost integrity and respect for the office and, and make sure that, that our probates and guardianships and mental health cases are adequately shepherded and, and that are watched over and, and that the law is followed. But I will also serve with compassion and, and making sure that, that our, our guardians and our um, executors know the law, what's required of them, what's required of them, but also know that, that their county judge um, has, has their back and make sure that they're doing it right and doing it proper and holding them accountable uh, for, for that job, that very important job. And uh, I will not slough that off to somebody else. Uh, I'm very adequately uh, educated and trained to do that job and appreciate your vote. Yeah, very good. Curtis, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for Thank your you, time. Thank you, Matt. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it.